it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There you go. Here we go. There it is. How are you? Hello. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up on a big Tuesday where the swamp is just going to swamp. We got out of bed this morning with 5,322 people running for the House Speakership gig. Wrong. That number was off. Uh, As we take the air right now, we are down to two, none of whom, none of whom is named Byron Donalds. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Super swampy Tuesday coming up today. Nikki Haley. Uh, she is running to be president. She's uh, past DeSantis right now. If you look at the aggregate polling, uh, Haley now leads DeSantis. There's a slob. There's a real slob. But some people are saying she has a shot of catching Trump in Iowa. Uh, get her out. Get her out of here. I don't know that that's true, but we'll see what life is like on the Haley campaign. We will also talk to Brian Brenberg about the Biden administration's decision to import oil from Venezuela in exchange for taking a dictator's word on having free and fair elections. That's stupid. Use your common sense. There has never been a dumber time to be alive than right now, okay? And that's pretty much today's theme. 888-788-9910 if you want a part of a show that is not a conservative talk show, okay? It is an American talk show. I'm a conservative, unapologetically so. That's that. Uh, But at the end of the day, this country was not built on agreement. It was not built on intellectual laziness. And, you know, you have to be on my side or you're not welcome on the show. Freedom! Exactly. You can be whatever the hell you want. Be a Republican, be a Democrat, be a Libertarian, Independent. Just don't be a... Happy Tuesday. If you saw me on Waters World last night with Jesse Waters, we had a lot of fun. Uh, It is on the Fox Across America website where you can see all that fabulous Fox Across America merchandise that barely fits me. Uh, You know, down a few pounds because we taped my stand-up comedy special. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. Some of this clothes is, you know, still a little tight. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. Whatever. I would normally uh, open the show by making some disparaging comments about myself. Uh, But I don't know if you heard, the world is on fire. And uh, the swamp, this is the latest update we can give you, uh, is they've narrowed it down to Tom Emmer. And is it Johnson, Mikey? This is breaking just as we went live. So bear with us. I mean, this is so breaking. It it is Johnson and Emmer. So Byron Donalds is already out of there, uh, despite the fact that if you were to look around, you know, the country, if you were to talk about rank and file voters and who they like, Okay, Jim Jordan, first and foremost, is more popular than anyone in the Republican Party not named Donald Trump. That's true. That is true. Seriously, call in and tell me who is more popular with Republican voters than Jim Jordan. The answer is nobody. Okay, Byron Donalds as an up-and-comer is also taking on that status because he's not a traditional D.C. insider. Okay, he is a guy that's done a phenomenal job down in Florida, but more importantly, is not somebody who's been in Congress 20 years on a salary of one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. 
that somehow has $50 million in the bank. That's not right. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. Uh, it's just a little suspicious. He doesn't have, you know, the scent of a swamp rat. Uh, and I think voters prioritize that sort of thing, especially right now when the Republicans have such a slim majority. And the only way they're going to get legislation across the finish line is to sell out the country. Voters would rather put a guy in that position who is an expert communicator, who can make the case for whipping the votes together without without selling out the country and making every economic concession known to man. So I am saddened that Byron Donalds will not be the next House Speaker, as I was saddened that Jim Jordan would not be the next House Speaker. But it's not the only leadership position to lament. I mean, if we're being totally honest, this country top to bottom is run by circus clowns. Tell them like it is. Let me tell you where we are in the White House, and we'll update the Speaker stuff as we get more information. But the latest update is this. Of the eight speakers that were supposed to be on the ballot, we're down to two already. Okay, one of them will emerge today, Emmer or Johnson. My guess is Emmer because that's what the establishment wants. They will emerge with the votes. We will, in fact, have a House speaker. It'll be done today. The Republicans can get out there and go, look at us. We wrap this up nice and quick. (laughs) No, you didn't. You took weeks. They'll be like, but look at us. We got a better speaker now. We changed the way the government (laughs) operates. No, you didn't. Okay, the thing that stopped Jordan from getting the speakership is the thing that will ultimately stop Byron Donalds from getting the speakership and anybody else who wanted to change the way of doing business in Washington. That's what ultimately got in the way. We are not hearing Emmer make the case for no more continuing resolutions. We're not, we're not hearing that. We're not making the case for balanced budgets, okay? We're not refining the appropriations process. What we're getting out of Emmer is... This is politics as usual. Politics as usual. But that's what they want. The swamp is going to swamp. They don't necessarily listen to the people. I mean, you think of the midterms. Imagine how furious Republican voters were after the midterms when the party had a spectacular underachievement. It was spectacular. Okay, we went into the midterms thinking the Republicans were going to pick up so many seats it was going to be historic. So much so that Trump was planning to announce that night from Mar-a-Lago that he was running for re-election because he wanted to piggyback off the momentum of the overwhelming wins in the midterms and lay claim to the fact that his endorsements got us there. Well, lo and behold, they set up the podium that day, but... The Republican Party was lucky to get out of there with a slim majority in the House. Forget the Senate, okay? They got nothing. The red wave was a damp rag. It was me squeezing a washcloth till you got a drip of water out of the thing, okay? They underachieved as a party, and Republican voters were pissed. But what did they get as a result? No leadership changes. Mitch McConnell still sat on top of the party in the Senate, okay? McCarthy was the guy they wanted in the House. If you remember, there was about a 30-second period where they talked about dumping Rona McDaniel at the top of the party, given that she hadn't put together a battle plan with all the resources she had from a financial standpoint to, you know, engage the young vote, to utilize early mail-in voting, to boost turnout the way Democrats had. The Republican midterm election apparatus was a colossal failure, colossal. And now at the end of the day, on the heels of that failure, what we're about to get in Washington is the same old, same old out of the Republican Party, not people who listen to the voters. 
And that's the truth. The reason Trump was able to become president is because politicians in both parties, Republicans and Democrats, failed the country over the course of several decades and created an appetite for an outsider to come in there and read D.C. It's truth. That's all Trump was. Nobody thought he was like a genius. Nobody thought he was like a saint. I mean, he said horrible things all the time. Okay, we just needed a Rodney Dangerfield in Caddyshack to get inside the tent and start telling it like it was to those billionaires, to those people who had sold out the country. That's what they wanted. Okay, but what the Republican Party has told you in the aftermath of Trump coming and going in Washington and the midterms, you know, just I mean, the midterms, if you were the Republicans, we again, the expectation for the midterms was they were going to break Obama's record for the number of seats lost. Barack Obama holds the all-time record for the most seats lost in a midterm. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the Republicans didn't come close to that, okay? The Republican voter, disgusted, but they're getting zero changes. They're getting more establishment, okay? That's how politics work. So it's a bad day for the party, no matter what they tell you. Okay, they oh, we came together. The process of democracy is sloppy, but at the end of the day, we got our guy. What they got is Kevin McCarthy in a different tie. That's what they got. Maybe a different hairstyle. The same status quo politicians in D.C. That's what this ultimately is. So it's hard to be excited uh, about the party. And it's one of those reasons I keep coming back to the theme of the show so much lately. Okay, we're being failed by leadership in both parties. Okay, Biden is a, you know, Biden's a circus act at this point. Come on, man. Nobody is. Okay, Biden gets out to the podium yesterday. Understand the world's on fire. Okay, they're talking about this battle breaking out on multiple fronts now for Israel. Okay, China already has, you know, a flotilla in the area. We're mobilizing some of our ships talking about Marines going over there to assist in the fighting of an urban war in Gaza. It's a heavy time, okay? So if you're going to trot out the President of the United States, if you're going to wheel out the teleprompter and have him give a little bit of a speech, we need something forceful. We need something believable. We need something presidential, okay? We need a guy to get out there, okay? Wait for his introduction, Stride out to the podium, project confidence, project American exceptionalism, okay, and make it clear to the world you're poking the wrong bear. I've told you this before. When you're fighting with your siblings as a little kid, one of your parents can be like, hey, knock it off, and that's it. You're done. They don't even have to be in the room. You know what that sound means. You hear the ominous voice coming from a parent downstairs, and you're like, that can't be good, at which point you knock it off, okay? Did Joe Biden get the world to knock it off yesterday? The answer would be no. No. In fact, the job description I gave you, which was wait for your announcement and then stride out to the podium, he didn't even get that part right. Biden is such a disaster. Listen to the beginning of the press conference, okay? Biden accidentally takes the mic before his intro, clip 35. Good afternoon, folks. I'm not introducing me, Marcus. I forgot, Mark. I went, late. I went straight to the podium. I apologize. No problem. That man belongs in a nursing home, not in the White House. Biggest press conference of his presidency. Yeah, here, folks. Actually, I'm not introducing me, Marcus. Forgot Mark. Got his name wrong. I went right. I went right. Uh, straight to the police. I followed you. I think you meant to say straight to the chase. It's no problem. Okay, that's how we kicked off 
the biggest press conference of his presidency. That is totally absurd. Now, halfway through the president, through the actual press conference, he announces that he's got to go to the Situation Room and he leaves. It really is ludicrous. Watch this. Clip 36. I apologize. I have to go to the Situation Room with another issue. I have to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so he's halfway through the event on Bidenomics. I apologize. I have to go to the Situation Room with another issue I have to do. Thank you, thank you. My guess is he might have had to go potty. I'm hoping it was a number one in this instance because he got out of there in a hurry. But I Honestly, I don't know. Because did the White House ledger show us any events in the Situation Room? The answer would be no. Was there any update afterwards about what went on in the Situation Room? The answer would be no. No. Just Biden, halfway through a speech, just turns around and goes, I apologize, I got to go to the Situation Room. Which tells us what? They had him wearing an earpiece while he was speaking in public. Oh, wow! That's the best case scenario. The second best scenario is he just inadvertently wandered out thinking he had something going on in the Situation Room. We have a president that is clearly not all there. You can't play it enough. But here he is as he's walking. Uh, it's so crazy. Okay. <laughs> he cuts out. He leaves. Uh, at one point he was asked about a ceasefire. Uh, not the answer they were hoping for, but it initially sounded like he was endorsing a ceasefire. It's clip three. So he starts out with, we should, we should have a ceasefire. We should have those shots that actually, no, sh- they should release those hostages, then we can talk. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. Dude, biggest presser of your career. He jumps the gun, takes the podium before the guy who's supposed to introduce him speaks for a few minutes and walks out of the room. Do you understand? Okay, the dude is a mess. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. This is what we're projecting onto the world stage. This is what we're projecting. Like you should take the White House. You should take the Capitol. You should remove the roof and you should replace it with a tent. Okay, because we are watching a circus right now in place of what used to be formidable, fierce American leadership. And as I'm delivering this sermon, we've just been told that Emmer has actually won the speakership. So the Republicans have their guy. Congratulations to Tom Emmer. He will fit right in with all the other clowns. You're listening to the most relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's the typical boy next door. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We can confirm the House GOP 
has designated Tom Emmer of Minnesota as the Speaker-elect. It does not mean he is the House Speaker. It means they will ultimately need to get him 217 votes uh, required to get him over the top. Now, it may be less than that if some Democrats vote present. If some Republicans leave early to go fishing and watch football like Greg Murphy did last Friday, you just don't know. You just don't know. Okay, we're only sending these people to Congress. It's not like we should be expecting them to sit around and get their work done or anything. What the heck's wrong with you folks out there setting your expectations so high? Nikki Haley, uh, she's running for president. She's going to join us at the top of the next hour to weigh in on all of this. And uh, I want to hear her plan of action today. If she were the president of the United States, how do you deal with the situation in the Middle East? Because the back and forth rumor right now is that the U.S. is trying to delay a ground invasion in Gaza. Okay, the problem we have is everybody we put in front of a microphone in this administration is terrible. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. Nobody can give you a straight answer. Like, I'm going to give you Corrine Jean-Pierre's take on denouncing anti-Semitism. That was embarrassing. It's one of the, it's beneath the office. It's, it's actually beneath the dignity of the Office of Press Secretary for the United States. Okay. But let me give you a John Kirby here first, because I want you to hear this. Okay. The dodge, the non-answer on whether there's a coordinated effort to delay the invasion. This is clip one. We have reported that the administration um, has been urging Israel to delay a ground invasion. Can you tell us whether other countries are making the same request? Is there a coordinated effort? uh, MJ, I won't speak for other nations and what communications they might be having with Israel. I can tell you, uh, we have since the beginning of the conflict, in the early hours, maintain a level of communication with our Israeli counterparts to ascertain their intentions, their strategy, their aims, to to see what their answers are to the kinds of tough questions that any military ought to be asking before you launch any kind of a major operation. So did he actually answer the question? The answer would be no. And I understand sometimes for strategic purposes you can't answer the question, but the truth is when it comes to this administration, oftentimes it's just because they don't know the answer. Or they have an answer, but they're not terribly confident in it. Like, do you remember prior to the invasion of Ukraine, every single person in the White House was like, no, no, we've got stiff sanctions. Don't worry. They're so menacing. Putin's not going near Ukraine. And everybody was like, well, why wouldn't you just apply them now uh, if they're such a fierce deterrent? Why wait till he goes in? Well, he won't go in because we have the actual sanctions lined up ready to go, and he fears them such. (laughs) Went right in. Okay, every time they try to give you an answer, they can't possibly believe in it because they're just so strategically bad at this. Do you remember the Afghan when we pulled out the troops ahead of the civilians? But they were like, don't worry, we've been we've been training the Afghan army for the past 20 years. They're not going to collapse. Not now, not ever. Dude, they collapsed within 24 hours. As he was speaking, the president of Afghanistan was loading a suitcase full of cash and jumping on a boat. Okay, but that's the official White House explanation of how it was going to go down. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
about to do some good dirt bagging the rest of the hour because there is no shortage of them out in Washington, D.C. Uh, Rashida Tlaib's actually like a trash human being. She's now tripling down, tripling down, despite all of the evidence and the geotagging and the ballistic evidence and everything in between. She is tripling down on the idea that Israel bombed the hospital. Uh, not a single journalist is out there saying how dare you or how come or why, because obviously they don't want to hurt the Democratic Party, and because a lot of them, like the people at the New York Times, are desperately trying to establish a moral equivalency between what is going on on the Hamas side of this confrontation and what is going on on the Israel side of this confrontation. What they're trying to do, hey, look, Israel bombed a hospital. Of course you go in and behead their babies. Of course you go light families on fire. That's what Hamas is doing. Hamas is not fighting a war. Okay, they're fighting a war as you fight the other country's military. Hamas is fighting unarmed civilians, straight up. Okay, and no amount of reductive word salad from some elite liberal arts college can change the reality that if you're supporting Hamas because you heard they were colonized, okay, that doesn't justify the atrocities they're committing. Straight up, okay, understand what's happening here. It's not a war. One side is fighting civilians. The other side is dropping leafless, going door to door and saying, hey, civilians, get out of here because our military wants to invade. Okay, the only thing keeping Israel from walking into Gaza right now and leveling the place is they want to minimize the human toll. Okay, that's the difference between them and Gaza. Gaza fortifies their munitions by putting them in densely populated areas, put some missiles under a hospital. Okay, put things in a school, put things in a crowded shopping mall. They want civilian casualties because it helps them in the war, in the court of public opinion, create a moral equivalency between them and Israel. Hey, look, Israel's mad because we killed civilians. Look how many of our civilians got killed. Am I right, you guys? But the difference is Hamas uses theirs as human shields. But what Rashida Tlaib is doing, she's no different than Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, or anybody else in the Hamas caucus is they are trying, they are trying to whip up anti-Semitic sentiments in the House of Representatives to minimize the amount of money we're sending over to Israel, to possibly encourage more of a ceasefire. They think it's okay that somebody, you know, paraglides into a rave, kills 250 people. Time was you wouldn't do anything back as a country. That's what they want you to believe. There is no self-respecting nation on earth that would tolerate what Hamas has done to the civilians in Israel. Okay, so knowing those sentiments are there within the party, knowing that every big elite college across the country is chanting things like from the river to the sea by any means necessary. We had a march here in New York last night about the Intifada. Okay, I'm not even making that up. This happened last night, an anti-Israel protest, another one in New York City. Listen to this chant, clip 21. So they're chanting for an intifada, which is, you know, a tribute to uprisings uh, in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip that were aimed at eliminating Israel entirely, eliminating their occupation, as it's called, of those territories. The first intifada, if you remember, was in 1987. That one ended in September of 1993. The second one, uh, which began in September of 2000, 
Uh, we not didn't ever get an official declaration to it ending, but most historians say it ended around 2005. But essentially, this was a military effort to eliminate the existence of Israel. Israel. Okay, you understand that's what they're chanting in the streets of New York. So in that against that backdrop, with members of Congress ultimately uh, out there brazenly, day in and day out, pushing Hamas propaganda about hospitals being blown up by Israel, when the New York Times is out there quoting Hamas, the New York Times not only took the Hamas version of the hospital attack, but they put up a photo with the article that wasn't even of the building that was hit in the attack. Ergo, they could make the attack look much worse than it actually was. That's why I don't read the newspaper, because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. So you understand, okay, Hamas runs with an attack, with a, with a headline, Israel bombs hospital. Okay, and what the New York Times puts under that headline is a building from an entirely different region that was actually crushed by a missile. Now you look at the headline, you look at the building, and you go, wow, Israel really up that hospital. They really, I mean, wow, my God. Okay, and then you realize the New York Times is quoting Hamas, a terror group. Journalism in this country is dead and buried. That is trying to weaponize sentiments against Israel. But, oh, by the way, in the process of doing so, the New York Times helped inflame the tensions. Okay, they helped that push for a moral equivalency between Israel and Hamas by echoing the claim that Israel was attacking unarmed civilians in a hospital of all places, which really would be something dastardly and beneath any polite civilization, including Israel. Unfortunately for them, we were ultimately able to prove within a matter of hours not only where the missiles were fired from, but where they detonated and how. And lo and behold, our own intelligence apparatus tells us it was Hamas that hit the hospital. Now, with all of that being said, students on every campus calling for the death of Israel, justifying the Hamas atrocities because they say they're colonized and Israel's an occupier. Never mind that Israel's people were there first. Okay, thousands and thousands of years beforehand. Okay, never mind that no one in Palestine is calling for a two-state solution. They're calling for the complete and total annihilation of the Jewish race. But with all of those sentiments out there, Karine Jean-Pierre, she took to the podium yesterday to answer questions. She is so bad at her job. I think she's actually getting worse at it. So KJP is asked about the potential rise of anti-Semitism. In light of everything going on in Israel, uh, her response is, we got to do something about Islamophobia. You don't have a clue. This is infuriating. Clip 19. What is his level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel? So a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen... Uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats. Uh, and so I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. Oh, man. We choose truth over facts. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. What is, this is the question. What level of concern right now about potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything going on in Israel? Look, Muslims, those perceived to be Muslim, have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks. Shut up, fool! What an idiot. Okay, let me give you the rest of this. Clip 20. 
One of the things that the president has done is directed his team, uh, uh, Homeland Security team, to prioritize prevention uh, and disruption of any emerging threats that could harm the Jewish, the Muslim, uh, Arab Americans, or, or any other communities. And that is something that the president has sought to do and, and since day one. As you know, the president ran on, on, um, on you know, bringing protecting communities, obviously, but bringing people together, the soul, uh, uh, protecting the soul of the nation. Uh, and so um, that is something that the president takes very, very seriously. Uh, and um, you know, we're going to continue to denounce any sort of hate uh, towards any American here. It's nothing more than white noise coming from the White House. But seriously, Karine Jean-Pierre. You are so full of sh- <laughs> the president has, you know, something he vowed to do from day one is bring communities together. Do you know when he said people who wanted voter ID in Georgia were the equivalent of Jim Crow on steroids? This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in, in Georgia. You know, because that brings the country together. Hey, you guys, you're worse than Jim Crow. Okay. What else did she mention? You know, the battle for the soul of our nation. What was the battle for the soul of our nation about? It was about his claim that Trump didn't condemn neo-Nazis and white nationalists in Charlottesville. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists, because they should be condemned totally. Joe Biden is an actual sociopath. Okay. He just lies relentlessly. Okay, if you remember the vaccine, we got to start shaming these people, fire them from their jobs. Never man- mind that he initially told us the vaccine shouldn't be mandatory. No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it be mandatory. But- Perhaps. Well, hold on. And never mind, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself, that he initially said the vaccine was junk when he was running against it. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. If and when the vaccine comes, it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? That's the problem. And Biden has no credibility. It went from, are you going to take this thing? What are you, nuts? Next thing you know, he gets into office. The first thing he does as president-elect is he goes out and gets vaccinated. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. He did it on TV. And then he fired anybody who didn't want to get the vaccine he had spent the previous six months bashing. That's just how white folks will do you. But the point is there's no credibility. Like, if you're an objective observer to this, okay, like, I'm an observer. I don't get on the air hoping you'll vote Republican at the end of today's broadcast. I could care less. The Republican Party sucks right now. Okay, they're about to put Tom Emmer over the top as the House Speaker. We don't owe them our undying loyalty because we think the Democrats suck too. Here's a newsflash. They all suck. They all work for us. Okay, that's the gig. We are the taxpayers. We're the ones that send them to Washington. Are they doing their jobs right now? The answer would be no. No, not even a little. So, great, the Republicans got a new guy. We'll just blindly root for him. Not me, man. Good luck. Okay, but the point is, when you watch this stuff play out as an objective observer who just wants to get on the air, okay, I'm new enough that I care, and I want people listening right now who might potentially disagree with me to not feel alienated, to not feel chased away, to not feel like we can't have some type of a constructive dialogue, because the only way the country's ever going to get better is if somebody actually gives a rat's ass about making it better, meaning you have to be willing to converse with the other side. You have to platform the ideas. You hear that term a lot? You can't give a platform to that. Would you shut up? It's speech. 
Okay, the best anecdote to dumb speech is more speech and better speech and sharper speech. And if you're confident in your ideas and the arena battle, you know, of ideas, then you shouldn't be threatened by the existence of any competing ideas. Historically, the parties that have favored censorship are usually the parties that have had the worst possible ideas. Bingo. Okay, so you want to get out there and you want to win the idea battle. The problem is when it comes to this administration, they don't have anybody uniquely equipped to fight the idea battle. They've done it either with mandates or basement bureaucrats in D.C. that have reconfigured our laws and limited your freedoms and utilized emergencies to do so. Well, they've just gotten up there with someone like Corrine Jean-Pierre with a binder full of ideas uh, that have been pre-scripted for her. And if she doesn't have an adequate answer on a particular subject, she goes to whatever the hell else is in the binder, which is how you go from, hey, what's up with anti-Semitism to, well, we're watching the Islamophobia and we got to make sure the Islamophobia isn't bad. OK, that's the reality. OK, you asked me about <laughs> you asked me about anti-Semitism. I don't have an answer on an index card for that. So let's do some Islamophobia. Don't change the subject just answer the question you didn't get a real answer okay what you got is well we got to be careful about the islamophobia and of course we do we don't want anyone to feel hated or marginalized or attacked but when the white house says you know well there's no evidence of credible threats of rising anti-semitism you know other than the military operation where they paraglided into a rave in israel and killed 1400 innocents beheaded 41 children, lit families on fire in their house. Once you get past that, it's like no one's even talking about anti-Semitism. Once you get past every Ivy League school in the country and the hundreds of student student groups that have pledged their undying loyalty to Hamas, once you get past the few hundred people on the terror watch list that came across the southern border last night, I mean, there's really no threat. It's surprising that you'd even ask me this question. Do you get how bad they are at what they do? Like, do you remember when the cocaine was found in the White House? It seems like two years ago. It was over the summer. Okay, it's around Labor Day. No, 4th of July, anyway. When the cocaine was found, okay, what was the first thing Corrine Jean-Pierre said? Frankly, I'm surprised the media would even ask such a question about whether or not it could belong to the family. I mean, seriously, you guys. Just because there's a member of the first family who has pictures of himself all over the Internet doing crack doesn't mean there'd be any reason for him to have crack sitting here in the White House. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Okay, and we've been telling them that forever, but they still continue to try and sell the crazy. Okay, that's the new thing now when they don't have a legitimate answer for you. What they pivot to is how dare you ask such a question? Wait, whoa cocaine in the White House? Just because everyone who comes into the White House gets sniffed by dogs, goes through a scanner and gets aggressively screened because it's the most fortified location in the world doesn't mean you should be wondering how someone got cocaine in the White House. Just because the only people who come into the White House and avoid that aggressive screening are members of the first family doesn't mean that you should wonder if it's their cocaine in the White House. This is what they do. They get incredulous. And the media has stood by and taken it for the better part of three years. The media is a bunch of losers. But when it comes to anti-Semitism, like, you know, the phrase never again after the Holocaust, it was pretty implicit. Never again. 
Okay, but now it's turning into a prescription drug commercial where it's never again, and then you get the fast-talking guy underneath it about all the side effects and situations where it just might be justified. If we get the right word salad on a college campus and we reduce this to an issue of oppressor and oppressed and have people dumb enough to establish a moral equivalency between one side and the other, that's what you're living in right now. You've got a White House, okay, that was asked, are you concerned about the rise in anti-Semitism? Okay, it's everywhere on the news. It's the only thing we're watching is, wow, I can't believe college campuses went from You'd be banned from saying men can't have babies. Okay, if Riley Gaines wanted to show up to a college right now and say, you know, men can't have babies, they would ban her. But they cheer on groups who are beheading babies. Okay, I promise it's not supposed to work that way. So when the White House is asked, are you concerned about this? It's a very simple answer. Yes, this isn't good. It can't go on. Okay, but that's not what we're getting in this moment. We're getting garbage. We're getting garbage out of the White House. And I got to be honest with you. Okay, I don't see an anecdote coming from the Republican Party anytime soon. So I know I'm your feel-good radio buddy, but man, oh boy, oh man, this country is a disaster right now. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, we got a minute to restore order because this show is completely off the rails and we have a serious presidential candidate batting leadoff at the top of the next hour. Michael is going to try to bring this thing back to justice. Michael? <laughs> that's, that's a good one, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is some kind of sick prank or what. How the hell did... My goodness. So. Mikey, I don't know what Mikey had up his sleeve. But look, man, you are so right. I, I've gotten become so cynical in the past few years. Uh, everybody you listen to, okay, I kind of see where you're coming from, and I see your angle on this. And, yeah, this new guy, okay, I'm sure he's a good guy, but he's part of the deep state. He's not going to make any big changes. It's going to be the status quo, and, and it's just going to keep going. Going like we've been going, and you know, it just it's maddening. It's maddening. Well, I will I will ask Nikki Haley about your take, and if she doesn't give the exact answer we're looking for, I'll boot her right off the air for you, Michael. You deserve it. Good talk. We'll be back live from everywhere USA. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, fired up for an embarrassment of radio riches in this hour. Emily Campagna will be here a little later on. She is the co host of Outnumbered and a fan favorite here on the show. But joining us to kick off the hour at the tippy top, you talk about a banner guest. If ever there was one on this program, she's a superstar candidate for the Republican nomination for president. And she's a bit of a throwback in today's politics in that she supports Israel. Come hell or high water. Man, I miss that sentiment. Uh, But here she is, former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador Nikki Haley back on the show. Hello, Nikki Haley. Jimmy, it's good to be back with you again. I, I will. It's like throwback Thursday. We have someone who supports Israel like the old days. We like it. You, 
you know it's the right way to be. And I'll tell you, with everything that's going on, America's got to get this right. There's no getting weak on this one. We've got to get this right. I'll say, uh, I, every time I get you on the phone, I'm always hoping for, like, one mellow news cycle where we can joke and you can make fun of my outfits or we can talk about your playlists. But every time you call in, the world gets a little crazier. Are you sure you want this gig? You know, the world is on fire right now, and that's exactly why I want it. I mean, you've got war that's broken out in Europe. You've got a war now in the Middle East. You've got China getting more aggressive on Taiwan. And, you know, make no mistake, none of this would have happened if Joe Biden wouldn't have been so weak in Afghanistan, if he wouldn't have been so slow in Ukraine, if he wouldn't have been pandering to Iran, and if he wasn't completely absent on the border. And all of our enemies have taken notice, and they're all acting because of it. And we really have to get this right. And you don't get this right by picking one or the other. You get this right by being strong across the board so that everybody knows what we expect of them instead of us being reactionary to every other threat in the world. Yeah, it's, it's really sad to watch this play out the way it has. So Israel, and this is very this is a very recent development, they're calling on the U.N. Secretary General to resign because he just made a comment moments earlier that, you know, what's going on isn't happening in a vacuum and that Israel has some culpability in these developments in Gaza. Uh, do you see any world... Uh, where we can align ourselves with those sentiments as a country? You know, this is the U.N. doing what the U.N. always does. And keep in mind, the rest of the world's going to do this, too. I have strongly said to Israel that they need to finish them, meaning Hamas. Mm -hmm. But I also said to the world, and we need to remember this, is that we all support Israel because they were hit. Mm -hmm. But we have to remember, we also have to support them when they hit back. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see when Israel starts to make moves, everybody's going to condemn them. But what they need to remember is if this had happened to America, would we not be doing the same thing? Would we not want to eliminate those that tortured you know, our mm-hmm. people? Would we not want to do that for those that have taken hostages? And mm-hmm. so the U.N. has always vilified Israel. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Israel's a bright spot in a tough neighborhood. And we've yeah. got to be true and honest to what's right. And Israel is right to want to go and eliminate a terrorist group that has threatened them for years. This didn't just happen on October 7th. Mm-hmm. This has been ongoing. But everybody's constantly told Israel to show restraint. Well, after the brutality and the torture and the bloodshed, I don't think they need to show them restraint. I think they need to eliminate Hamas. Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with you. We're talking with Nikki Haley, GOP, uh, running for president right now. And I got to be honest, Nikki Haley, a uh, little bit of a surge happening as I look at the polls. Who do we credit this to? Is it all you or is it all Cheney? You know, I mean, I think it's it's happening. Well, Cheney's great, but I think it's all happening because basically you look at the fact the world is on fire and mm-hmm. people know that one, they need someone who's got executive experience that's dealt with bureaucracy, but two, we need someone that's had foreign policy experience. I negotiated and literally dealt with Russia, China, Iran, Israel, the Palestinians, you name it, every day, Jimmy, not mm-hmm. twice a year. Every day I was dealing with them for two years and I know how they act. I know what they do. I know the role that the Qataris play in this. Mm-hmm. I know the role that Turkey plays in this. We have to start really focusing on those that matter. When it comes to Israel, we've got three priorities. Number one, support Israel with whatever they need, whenever they need it. Mm -hmm. Two, eliminate Hamas. And three, do whatever it takes to get our hostages home. And we need to make sure we understand that this is an unholy alliance. China and Russia had named themselves unlimited partners. Iran is their junior partner. 
China's getting all of their oil from Iran. That's why billions of dollars is flowing that way, because Biden loosened the sanctions on Iran. Russia's getting drones and missiles from Iran. And Russian's foreign minister was speaking with the Iranian president today. This is an unholy alliance that has one thing in common. They all want to destroy the West, and they all hate America. We have to start being smart. We can't play naive in this, and we can't think it's all going to go away. We have to start really getting focused on this. And that means taking on China, taking on Russia, taking on Iran. Doesn't mean you have to get into wars with all of them. It means you do it with strength. And when you act with strength, the others start to cower. They just don't see strength coming from America right now. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to look at this administration uh, as the team nobody wants to play. Um, are you surprised on some level that we aren't having a larger conversation around the southern border, given what we know about people trying to get here from other parts of the world? Over a thousand people have come from Yemen, Lebanon, and Iran. That doesn't count Afghanistan and other countries. And, you know, Biden's totally been absent on the border. But what worries me, Jimmy, is America's acting right now like it's September 10th. Yeah. And we better start remembering what September 12th felt like. Because on September 12th, what happened? We realized we weren't doing everything to keep ourselves safe. We realized that we couldn't be so arrogant to think we didn't need friends Mm -hmm. because we needed a lot of friends after that. And we've got to start going back to that feeling, understanding that it can't be America and America alone. We have to start securing the border. The terrorists know the easiest way to get to us is through the southern border. That doesn't count what's happening on the northern border, Mm -hmm. which we have, you know, 200,000 illegal immigrants that have come through there. You look at all the deaths from fentanyl. It's time to wake up. You know, Biden and Yellen can say all day long that, you know, China is a competitor. I can tell you after dealing with China and Russia, they don't see us as competitors. They see us as enemies. We've got to start looking at them the way we look at we got the way they look at us. And then when you look at these terrorist activities, understand there would be no Hamas without Iran. And Iran has had their fingers in this the entire time. And we need to see that regardless of what Biden says about him not thinking they were involved. Uh, Yes to all of that. Nikki Haley is on the line, uh, former United States ambassador to the United Nations. She's the governor of South Carolina. She is, I got to be honest, we've been talking about polling. Uh, You know, we've got a lot happening across the country in Iowa, New Hampshire, and everywhere else. And then we have another debate coming up, Nikki Haley. Now, my listener response to your debate performance right now has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, And and I do mean that. Like, we have a lot of talks about you because you've kind of become a bit of a figure on the show. I want to just ask you, these are these are very basic human questions, and I say this as a comic who will go on stage in front of thousands of people. When, you, when you're on, no, for real, it's, it's amazing. Uh, uh, when you're on stage, okay, facing the live ammo of a presidential debate, you've got moderators, you've got other, you know, candidates. Uh, what is your headspace? Is that relaxing or is that like, are you in like attack mode? Like, what are you, as an artist, I'm just talking to you now as a, as, as a performer, I guess, because when I do stand-up, I'm like asleep at the wheel because you've got to be there to have fun but whereas you're there dealing with as you said the world is on fire so where are we at is there a fight song you listen to are you shadow boxing are you mellow are you drinking tequila what happens at team Haley? Uh, literally the day of the debate the night before the debate i will watch something competitive so okay. the night before the first debate i watched 
Swamp Kings and how, you know, Florida won the national championship mm-hmm. um, the night before the second debate. I think I watched how Bruce Jenner won the decathlon. Wow. And usually the day of the debate, I'm listening to my playlist. That's all I do all day is listen to my music and wow. all the way up until the time I go on stage. So um, usually it's like I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett or, <laughs> you know, it's just some fun, you know. You, you don't listen to like clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Because that's a good song for Washington, no? No, I listen to a lot of just good hype music. And um, and so that's the headspace that I go into. And I, you know, and you just kind of let the chips fall where they may. It's a lot of gut and instinct and, um, you know, and just trying to let the American people know what we're about. And I usually just let the chips fall where they may. Well, I, I've, I have to tell you, we've, we've enjoyed watching the chips fall. Um, I, I'm worried that you're becoming too good of friends with Vivek Ramaswamy. Look, I mean, I'll stop saying negative things when he stops saying stupid stuff. I mean, it's just that easy. I, you know, I, the guy, he's a smart guy. He really is. But, uh-huh. I mean, I just, it, none of it makes sense to me. I mean, you don't go and say when China's one of our biggest competitors that, oh, yes, but it's okay for us to be on TikTok, even though they can surveil every bit of that. <laughs> you don't say that, no, we shouldn't be helping Israel because we don't have a strategic um, plan in place that's ludicrous yeah. i mean there's just things we just hugely disagree on mm-hmm. you know everything foreign policy and i think that that's kind of played out in the last couple of debates it's nothing personal it's no, just don't. more that we don't have policies that we agree on we're talking to the great nikki haley well i would tell you the one thing about uh you vivek in policies is if you do wait long enough you will agree because he's changed a lot of his positions like literally the first debate, he sat there and attacked everybody as being bought and paid for. And yeah. then he gets on the stage in the second debate and, and cites the 11th commandment by Ronald Reagan that we should not talk negatively about each other. That's all you need to know. And there, it's not just me. The rest of the candidates on the stage are like, you can't be serious. Right now. <laughs> but it's exactly it's so funny that you say that because we were all watching it and we, we legit died laughing because we're sitting here. and We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The minute people came out. After him. He's like, whoa, I thought we were all friends here. No smack talk. It's crazy. You no, know, it's like, are you seriously asking for a redo right now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm glad you had the right I'm glad you had the right playlist for that debate. And uh, I know you gotta get to work on the next one, but you're doing great. Keep playing good ball because the truth is, you know, I think more than ever. You know, when you look out at the condition the country is in right now, obviously we need strong leadership, number one. But I I do mean this as somebody who hosts a radio show all day um, is the ability to communicate and articulate these ideas clearly in in terms of why they should matter to every American. I, I don't think it's ever been more paramount than it is right now. So whatever you guys are doing, just keep playing good ball. That's all I got. I wish I could give you a bigger sweeping, you know, you know, pat on the back on the way out the door. But just don't screw it up, Nikki Haley. How about that? No, we're not going to. We have a country to save. And I hope your listeners will go to NikkiHaley.com because we're determined to save them. All right. Dang right they will. It's, it's probably the one upstanding website my listeners will actually visit. So thank you for that. Uh, you're the best. You have a great day. We'll do it again soon. Okay. Take care, Jimmy. Bye-bye. There, there she goes. The great Nikki Haley. Uh, who I do mean this, when I talk to her and I just listen to her answers, they're very concise and specific and factual. And she has such a working grasp of the issues facing the world right now that there are people in the Republican Party, like for real, 
that get it. Like you could elect her president and go to bed tomorrow and forget who the president was. The country's going to be fine. You've got somebody who's no nonsense in there who completely gets it and is just going to do the job. Okay, that does exist. The problem is we are very much living in an America where everybody is running for class president as much as they're running for president of the United States. And a lot of the subplots and dramas that people get pulled into uh, oftentimes affects their judgment when it comes to doing what's best for the country. Like I would tell you straight up, okay, when you look at what's out there on the world stage, you know, it's not the same job it was five years ago or 10 years ago. Meaning, you know, when Trump got sworn in, we had the luxury because the world was stable enough under his leadership. We had the luxury of pretending he was a Russian for three years. We did that for three years. It was made up by these sick people. Okay, bought and paid for by Russia. Okay, and as we kind of chased down that sensationalism and everybody got in a race to the top of Mount Clickmore on the Internet, you know, the walls are closing in. He's going to jail. Do you believe this whole thing? And it was great for ratings. But at the end of the day, it wasn't true. Okay, but lo and behold, over the course of the Trump presidency, we did go in a direction, you know, the pandemic, a lot of the racial uprisings of summer uh, summer of 2020, where the division in this country grew so fierce that it's now given voice to a lot of legitimate unrest within the walls of this country, okay? You know, blue cities are horrific. You know, they're really bad when you see the overall quality of life deterioration. And what you need to understand is when you start to hear, like, the rise in anti-Semitism on college campuses around the country and so many big-box media outlets that are willing to give voice to places like Hamas, you realize the only way this is going to stop is not with someone who can out-shout the other side, okay? No one is convincing anybody to join their cause because, hey, as it turns out, admit we're smarter than you and see it our way. It just doesn't work that way. There's too much confirmation bias in our media now and in our social media and in the way our phones are carefully curated to make us feel like the single most self-important person in the world. So you need a level of communicator now, okay, the likes of which this job has probably never required in previous generations. What I'm so impressed with when it comes to Nikki Haley is her the duality of who she is. Okay, she can speak to me on my level in a pop cultural vernacular and talk about smack talk and music and debates and jokes, but at the same time is so hyper aware, you know, to the stakes right now on the world stage. And it's that ability to communicate across party lines that's ultimately going to get the country to turn it around if we're going to turn it around. Okay, most people running for president are just writing on the other guys suck, vote for me. Okay, but screaming the other guys suck, vote for me might actually get you enough votes to win, but it doesn't get you enough votes uh, for the entire country to buy into your leadership. That's the problem Biden has. Nobody voted for Biden. They voted against Trump. Okay, well, the good news is they got Biden in the White House. The bad news is they got Biden in the White House. is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He is one of those iconic figures that fans care about. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Such a racket. <laughs> Everywhere you turn. I do enjoy talking to Nikki Haley. I, I like getting clarity on issues. I think she's a brilliant woman. Uh, I think she'd be great at the gig. 
Uh, doesn't necessarily mean she's going to get the gig. Uh, but I will tell you this. If you are on the Trump train, which you are absolutely welcome to be, I'm not here to steer your vote. Uh, they are really doing him dirty down in Georgia right now. So Jenna Ellis, if you saw the video, she sobs and pleads guilty in the Georgia election case. That was absolutely dreadful. And what she's essentially doing is every one of these lawyers, Sidney Powell, who was just an absolute criminal fraud, release the Kraken. We're going to release the Kraken. Oh, shut up, woman. She ultimately released the Kraken on Trump. Sidney Powell now testifying against Trump. So basically everybody who spent the aftermath of the 2020 election telling Trump it was stolen This is how we argue the case. This is how it went down. Okay, they're now turning around and testifying against Trump. This could be a problem. It's a big problem. Nikki Haley didn't speak to it. Okay, sometimes DeSantis dances around it. Chris Christie talks about it a lot. But of course, that's Chris Christie. There's a slob. There's a real slob. Okay, but there is and I I feel like because there's a war going on, there's a border crisis, there's no House speaker. I almost feel like as a media, we're letting down the electorate. When it comes to the legal plight of Donald Trump, they are going to try to put him in jail in Georgia. And they've got enough people testifying against him, which is what they do in RICO cases, that he is probably going to get found guilty. Okay, it's unprecedented in the history of our country. You can tell us it's a weaponized justice system, but all of that won't change the fact that he might be criminally convicted. Okay, because that's what they're trying to do right now. And it, you know... It's unprecedented. It's insane. It's a dark day for our democracy. But it's also a reality I think a lot of people need to wake up to because they're not hearing a lot of this out of the media right now. But this is a wild time to be. My goodness. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be wrapping with Emily Campagno at some point. She is getting off the outnumbered couch, making her way up to the studio. I want her to weigh in as the legal mastermind that she is. On the case they're trying to put together against Donald Trump, they're very much treating this like a RICO case where they're just getting everybody to testify against the biggest player. Uh, as a means of ultimately taking him down. I don't think people realize how serious the legal threat to Trump is because I don't think we realize the seriousness of anything anymore. I really don't, okay? When you look at how derelict they have been in Washington in their duty to protect our southern border, you know, when you look at all the unrest on these college campuses, when you look at the idiots who actually wanted to defund police, like we'll get rid of police. That was a thing. Like people wanted to do that. Some major municipalities actually cut police budgets. They did it in L.A. They did it in New York. Okay, did it in places like Milwaukee. Guess what they're doing in D.C. right now? Are you ready for it? They're re-implementing the old policies they had before the summer of 2020. Think about that for a second. Yes, it turns out maybe it's a good idea to support the cops. Oh, I don't know. This is what they're doing. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser had to go back and say, okay, we've got to, you know, Take another look at how we're policing these streets and the consideration we're showing towards police in a moment of conflict when they've got a millionth of a second to make a life and death decision. Maybe it was wrong of us to assume they were the bad guy every time. Of course it was. 
because it emboldens criminals. People don't think they're going to get arrested or held accountable for their actions anymore because of all of these woke police reforms. Everything woke turns to It's crazy, but you think about it with like the carjacking rate in D.C. up 300 percent. When you look at the murder rate in a place like Georgia, okay, and what do these jurisdictions have in common? They're going after a former president about 10 times as hard as they're going after the violent criminals. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know. And I want to be clear, man. They have never indicted a president in the 247-year history of the country. It had never been done once, okay? Trump has now been indicted on 91 different charges. This is ridiculous. 91 different charges. And understand, they didn't do so because they were killing time on like a slow Tuesday. They did show because they want to put the guy in jail. Okay, you can tell me it's a weaponized justice system, but the fact is it's working as planned when it comes to the people who wanted to weaponize it. Now, for Trump's part, he's out on the campaign trail. Okay, he was up in Derry, New Hampshire, making all kinds of noise. Uh, (laughs) You know, I say they shoot Biden up with B12 and sometimes he just randomly starts yelling or whispering because he's getting an energy spasm like my late great uncle Sonny used to get when he was in a memory care unit. Sometimes, you know, Biden will just be like, ah, or he'll just be like, pay them more and starts whispering. And he's a mess. Okay, sometimes I think Trump has hopped up on Adderall. I don't know that to be true. I have that on no authority. But sometimes he will say something uh, and comment on it, and he finds it to be so fascinating. Uh, But it's really like a first-grade level of analysis. Here is Trump in Derry, New Hampshire, talking about us, uh, which I just found hilarious. Clip 37. Macron, nice guy. You know, look, he's for France. I'm I'm for us. I'm for us. You know how you spell us, right? You spell us, U.S., I just picked that up. Has anyone ever thought of that? I just picked that up a couple of days. I'm reading and it said us. And I said, you know, if you think about it, us equals U.S. Isn't it? Now, if we say something genius, they'll never say it. (laughs) I am constantly entertained by how entertaining Trump finds himself. Okay, it's it's genuinely it's a personality quirk of his that I find funny. Um, a great a great comic uh, does a bit. Shane Gillis does a bit about Trump where he goes because he impersonates Trump and he's not making fun of him. He's talking about, you know, he's a public figure and public figures have quirks that we laugh about. He talks about how just like, you know, the key to impersonating Trump is you just have to say what you just said. So he'll like he'll get up to the microphone and be like, this is a really big room. You know, I said to myself as I walked in, this is a really big room. <laughs> That's what he does. I'm for us. You know what us stands for, right? It could stand for U.S. Has everyone ever, anyone ever thought of that? Yeah, probably. But he finds it so entertaining. But here's another Trumpism that I got to be honest. Okay, when he's off entertaining himself, uh, the opponents mock. This is Trump telling people not to vote on election night. This could be a problem. <laughs> this is amazing. This is clip 38. The only state that doesn't have one, and we had that all set to go, but then we had a little election uh, that went astray. So we have to be careful. You got to get out there and you got to watch those voters. You don't have to vote. Don't worry about voting. The voting, we got plenty of votes. You got to watch <laughs> election night. You know, it used to be election day, election night. Now it's election month. <laughs> Listen, he's not wrong. Election day has become election year. It's absurd. I support paper ballots, same day voting, same count. 
Okay, that's what I support. That's what I would love to see. Are we headed in that direction anytime soon? The answer would be no. So you can't get out there as a candidate and tell people not to vote. Don't worry, we got plenty of votes. That's what happened to the midterms down in Georgia. Okay, who even knows who's counting these votes? You can't really, you know, undermine people's desire to turn out to the polls if you want to be the guy that ends up with the most votes, especially because they've reconfigured our elections in a way that makes it easier to juice turnout. Okay, I don't actually sit here and believe they stole the 2020 election. Like when I look out at the 2020 election, I don't think it's stolen. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. No, I just think stolen would mean they broke the rules on election night or after the fact to deliver the victory that they needed. What they actually did in theory was legally steal it because they changed the rules before the election. We voted in a way that would have been illegal in prior elections. When you talk about 24-hour drop boxes and all the mail-in balloting and all the ballot harvesting that went on and all the early voting and all the COVID voting, okay, they juiced turnout, but they did so legally because they changed the rules. So it's not quite the same as we had rules in place, they broke all of them and got away with it, so much as they changed it on the front end, so there was really nothing you could do after the fact other than cry that it was stolen and then testify against Trump when you were done crying that it was stolen, which is what everyone's doing. Okay, Sidney Pat Powell was the face of the It Was Stolen movement. She was the lady with the Kraken. She was the one that was going to stop the steal, and that was going to be that. Sidney Powell had the goods. <laughs> She's now testifying against Trump, okay? And Trump can get out there and say she was never my attorney. And maybe that's the case. I don't know what the official paper, okay? I don't know what the line was. I don't know what the deal was. I just know she was, you know, the public face of the Stop the Steal movement for quite some time and was getting a lot of heat on the old social media for her proclamations that the thing was stolen, okay? She is now the face of the prosecution. So you understand When people talk about 2024, they talk about it like, well, you know, it's Trump's and that doesn't and that's that. Okay, I'm not telling you not to vote for Trump. I'm not telling you that they're not trying to do him dirty because they are. Okay, make no mistake about it. They are. But when it comes to the general election, it's going to require somebody who can pull in independents and pull in Democrats. And I understand Right now that you can show me battleground polling that has Trump ahead of Biden. But here's a newsflash. okay? Joe Biden, probably not going to be the nominee. okay? I agree with that. Okay, Gavin Newsom is over in China. Gavin Newsom is over in Israel. Does the governor of California have any reason to really be there? The answer would be no. No, he's over there. Because he's bolstering his image on the world stage, okay? They are laying the groundwork for him to step in if they can actually get Biden off the ticket. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, they don't want him on the ticket. But do you understand whether it is Biden or it's not Biden, okay? The fact going to remain that the Israel war is going to hope and pray at some point scale back a little bit. Okay, and you're going to have a general election where if Trump is the nominee, okay, and I think he's exponentially better than Biden, but when it comes to getting independents and suburban female voters and the people that actually swing elections for Republicans, it won't help if Trump's in jail. Okay, it it doesn't help. I'm not saying that to get you mad. I'm not bashing Trump. I'm not telling you to go to another station. I'm telling you that reality 
okay, is not a friend in this such scenario where every member of the Trump camp is now testifying against Trump. Just in that old regard. So how do you go to the independent voter who goes, why is everybody he ever hired testifying against him in court? That's not normal in politics. And you have to somehow bridge the gap and go, what? Oh, the deep state or the swamp or, you know, great, but it's not really a selling point. That's where I think the Republicans have to be a little more upfront about the position they find themselves in, because it's very similar to that of the midterm elections. Biden has run the country into the ground. Okay, he is absolutely by any objectionable metric the worst president of our lifetime there is no one worse than joe biden tell it like it is okay we didn't have the inflation problem before biden we didn't have the border problem before biden we didn't have the fentanyl problem before biden we didn't have the world stage issues that we're facing like we do before biden okay afghanistan Okay, Israel, what's going on in Taiwan, what's going on in Ukraine. These are all the end results of the weakness we see in this White House. That's reality. So I am unequivocally telling you Joe Biden is the worst president I've ever seen. He's terrible. But that doesn't make this a slam dunk election for Republicans. Okay, Republicans are currently a laughing stock with independent voters because they're watching them enter week four without a House speaker. Okay, in a House of Representatives. They were given the majority in the House last November. We're going on a full year, okay, and the Republicans could be in the process of shooting down yet another speaker-elect. As we're told right now, Tom Emmer, who is the establishment pick, only has 200 votes right now to be the next speaker of the House of Representatives for the Republican Party. That's the issue, okay? 200 votes. You gotta do better than that. Okay, you gotta get about 217. So the Republican Party is a bit of a laughing stock. And you have to understand when you get into the midterms, as bad as the country is, if you're bringing a lot of that baggage with you, you find yourself in a difficult spot. Now, the best thing Trump has going for him right now is Joe Biden. Okay, that's the best thing he has going for him. Biden sucks. And everyone is looking out at the country, fully recognizing the fact that we were better off under Trump than we were under Biden. Okay, we have 7 million people in this country illegally right now. Okay, not to mention hundreds of thousands of gotaways, members of the terror watch list. The human traffickers and the drug cartels have turned our southern border into a $2 billion industry. You understand that wasn't even a consideration under the previous guy. The collective cost of goods at the grocery store wasn't 25% higher. A gallon of gas wasn't $2 higher. It was $2 lower. So you understand the quality of life in this country under Biden has absolutely fallen off a cliff. So in theory, it would be a very winnable election for whoever the next Republican nominee happens to be. But I promise you the reason that they are weaponizing the justice system against Trump to the extent that they are is to close the gap between him and Biden. Okay, that's the truth. People know Biden sucks, but I promise you, they've never voted for a guy in prison. So, yes, there is a reason why they're doing this. Okay, there's also the small matter of Trump has played into some of this with his own behavior. And then there's the other reality that there are other Republicans running for president that you could elect tomorrow and forget they were even in office. They do a phenomenal job. The Republicans have a bench right now. People could be president. I would let DeSantis be president in a second. I think he'd do great. Okay, doesn't mean he can win the vote. Does not mean he can win the vote. I, I think his campaign has struggled. And I told you the day he launched his campaign, the second he launched his campaign, he launched his campaign on Twitter. 
Do you remember that? On Twitter Spaces. And I came right on the air after the launch crash that night, and I was like, man, this is one of those horse sense moments that tells me this guy's judgment isn't right for the world we find ourselves in, if only because it was the biggest political event of his career, and he entrusted it to an unproven piece of technology on Twitter because he wanted to take the fight to Trump on Twitter and on social media and be the king of the culture wars, and he was going to take out woke Disney, which is fine, and he was going to beat back against all of the corporate activism, which we appreciate. But in attempting to do so, he launched with Elon Musk on Twitter, and unfortunately, Twitter spaces crashed. So can he actually read the market and the room in the in the way, okay, in terms of gauging, you know, the right moves that need to be made and win the presidency? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I was surprised by DeSantis on the show. He had a lot more personality on this show than, you know, you might have seen in other interviews. But that's kind of part and parcel of the kind of show we do. It's a loose, goofy show, and I usually ask them human questions so you can get a human instead of a talking point because it's radio. Okay, I don't want you to listen to them reciting talking points. I want you to get a feel for the person behind the politics. Okay, Nikki Haley, another example. She was on the show earlier. Nikki Haley can be president tomorrow. She'd do a great job. Okay, she'd do a phenomenal job. Anybody would do a better job than Biden. So there are people in this party that could be great presidents. Doesn't mean they're going to get the nomination. Okay, as if if the election was held tomorrow, it would be Trump against Biden. And despite all the polling that tells you Trump might beat him, you know, the legal limitations to this presidency are going to tell an entirely different story on Election Day. That's not me saying he can't win. Believe me, I'm not telling you that because Biden is actually that bad. But what we've seen in previous elections and what we saw during the Trump presidency is nothing is beneath this party when it comes to stopping Donald Trump. There is nothing the Democrats won't stoop to if he winds up being the nominee. So I have no problem with you supporting him. Okay, you have every right to support him. And you damn well better believe they're doing him dirty in a justice system where certain prosecutors literally ran for office by vowing to throw him in jail. Like that discredits the legitimacy of pretty much every prosecution he's up against right now. Okay, but that doesn't mean they're going to stop if it means stopping him. So how this plays out, I have no idea. My only advice for you, (laughs) no matter which way you're headed, is buckle up because it's going to get ugly a lot longer than it's going to get pretty. So y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband because they're raping everybody out here. This thing is going to become gargantuan when the Son of Man comes. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Trying to hold this country together. Brian Brenberg is coming by. He does that on Tuesdays. We're going to talk about the economy. We're going to talk about Biden's plan to import oil from Venezuela, where they burn it far filthier than we do, in exchange for a democracy. It's the I, Listen, I, I'm going to make Brenberg explain this. He's a college professor. He hosts a business television show. You're getting too much out of my community college brain these days because the world is so stupid right now. I I don't understand this one. But essentially what we're being told is we're trading Venezuela. Okay, we're going to start importing their oil because we have 
tamped down production here because we're trying to help the environment, you guys. And in return, we're going to get word from Venezuela, hey, we'll give you a bunch of oil money. Okay, but you've got to promise us you're going to have free and fair elections. And that's what they're doing. Okay, so Venezuela, which is run by a dictator, Nicolas Maduro, is giving their word that going forward, now that we've given them all this money, okay, they're going to have the free and fair elections we want them to. And we're taking them at their word right now. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just they're not respecting our country the way they used to. from everywhere USA. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Yes, it is. And here we go. Champ is fired up, man. Looking out at this food fight we call a world. The Republicans still don't have a House speaker. Although I got to be honest, uh, we're going to talk about with Brian Brenberg. He's the host of the Big Money Show on the Fox Business Network. The Republicans might have just found an end around for the first time in the history of our government to actually cut spending because if they can't enact get a speaker in there they can't pass any legislation they can't really spend any money so maybe this is a net win in the long run i don't know i don't think so uh but i'm trying to put a positive spin on the news because i look at it and i'm like on the verge of snapping today i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore for real though i feel like it's a very dark show today i'm like yeah they're gonna lock trump up the border's a mess Half of Congress seems to support Hamas. I'm very worked up today. I'm a bag of cats. 888-788-9910. If you want to restore order, get me off the ledge of the building. Although the way this show's going, some of you might talk me into jumping off that radio bridge. Brian Brenberg, he will come by. He will try. He will try, <laughs> Brian Brenberg, uh, to get this thing back onto the rails, but no promises. 888-788-9910. If you want a piece of that action. The update we have for you right now is Tom Emmer. Tom Emmer is the speaker-elect in the Republican Party. Does that mean he will be the next House Speaker? The answer would be no. No. And if you don't believe me for further reading, Google Jim Jordan, Google Steve Scalise, Google the Speaker Pro Tem, Patrick <laughs> McHenry. Uh, then there's my man Byron Donalds. We got out of bed this morning thinking he had a shot. Wrong. Okay, the swamp is going to swamp. The heart wants what it wants. And in this instance, what the heart wants is the status quo in Washington. They like that lobbyist money. They like spending cash. It's always popular to bring money back to your district. Okay, we don't have a lot of people in Washington that are serious about addressing the conflicts and the crises we face. Sadly, the ones who who are serious can't get the votes to get over the top. Like, I consider Chip Roy, if you're listening somewhere in Texas, and I don't know that our KTBB listeners are listening. I bet you they're hammered after they finally beat the Astros last night. Uh, Game 7 took out the Astros. How about it? If you're a KTBB listener, my man Billy Coates on the air covering sports in Tyler, Texas, I would imagine is at a permanent happy hour right now. I can't confirm that. I don't know that to be true. But I know it's a big win for the Texas Rangers, so they're excited. But Chip Roy would be a good example of someone down in the state of Texas who I consider to be an America first congressman, meaning when we talk about the southern border, when we talk about the way we're funding our debt and all of these liabilities we're taking on, he's giving you serious constructive answers. He's demanding 
hard truths out of the candidates, okay? But for every trip, Chip Roy, that you get in there, there's a hundred other dirtbags that just want to keep getting fat off that sweet lobbyist teat. You know what I'm saying? Want to go have those fancy lunches at the French, you know, not the French Laundry. We're not in California. Maybe they'll go to Cafe Milano in this instance. But, you know, the truth is we don't have a speaker right now. And in the short term, it's it shouldn't be considered a win for our government, but it actually in a roundabout way is, if only because it's forced them to slow down the spending a little bit. Okay, the minute we get a speaker back in there, we are pedal to the metal, eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. We got to do what they say can't be done. You know what I'm saying? The boys are thirsty in Atlanta and there's beer in Texarkana. You know, that whole kind of <laughs> that's where we find ourselves today. Uh, and like the truth is, uh, we're very much in that Smokey and the Bandit mentality in Washington where they just want to step on the gas and spend you into oblivion. That's what's happening right now. Thanks, big government weenuses. So I got out of bed naively being like, ah, you know, maybe last week I was like, I don't know, man, maybe this Jordan thing will work. He's really popular with the voters. (laughs) Swamp don't care what the voters want. You know, swamp don't work for you, girlfriend. The swamp works for the swamp. Okay, this morning I was like, wow, Byron Donald's got a lot of heat. All the good people in Congress are endorsing him. Dude got 33 votes. He's like he didn't beat John Boehner by much. Okay, because again, it doesn't matter that he's popular with the voters. What's going on in Washington now is it's brazen. Politicians used to, I say used to, pretend that they cared about you. Come on, don't bullshit. No, no, they would. They would go out, as Arnold said, and they would bull you. That's what they would do. And, you know, you knew at the end of the day you aligned with their policies and their worldview and you supported them. And in return, they would from time to time show you the courtesy of saying the right things on a television set. And you'd go, oh, that guy. That guy's got my best interest at heart. That is a fact check false. Okay, they're not even pretending to give you that courtesy in D.C. anymore. Okay, they don't care who the voters want to be the next Speaker of the House. They just want to do business the way they do business. Greg Murphy came on my show last Friday. If you didn't hear that, you should have heard that because he let you stand behind the magician. Okay, I I don't want to say I'm stunned because I know that's the truth about our government. But on some level, it was still a little surprising to hear that straight take from a congressman. I said to North Carolina Representative Greg Murphy last Friday, I said, so what's the deal? Jim Jordan doesn't have the votes yet. It's a Friday. You guys want to go home, drink beer and watch college football. And he said, that's exactly what we're going to do, Jimmy. Ten of my buddies got a fishing hole staked out, and that's where we're headed. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. <laughs> the way they went. And he was telling the truth. He goes, well, you know, we have a three strikes, you're out policy. Jim Jordan, after three votes, didn't have it, so he's out. And I said to him, I said, well, then how come McCarthy got 15 strikes before he was out and Jordan only got three? I think he's got a point. Yeah, and the point was they just weren't going to destroy another weekend trying to come up with a House speaker because they did have beer to drink and college football to watch, and he was just being candid. That's who runs the government now. Having a functional government is not nearly as important to them as it is to having the functional lifestyle a lot of them pursue, and that's why you get a status quo speaker 
because they'll keep doing business the way these guys have grown accustomed to doing business, which means their lifestyle goes unchecked. Okay, it goes, you know, unchanged. You still can go to the fishing hole. You can still meet the buddies. You can still watch the college football. And you get weekends off. What's better than that? So that's where we find ourselves now. Tom Emmer is currently trying to make some backroom deals to get the other 17 votes he's going to need to get this thing in the bag. Okay, the Democrats are going to stick around. Some have talked about the possibility of voting present, which would lower the threshold to get Hammer in there. But what does that tell you? If the Democrats are willing to step aside and let Emmer get the nomination, that means they believe that he would govern on more friendly terms to their agenda. Ah, you have a good eye, my man. Understand, Hakeem Jeffries said last week, we are willing to stay as a party the entire weekend and block the confirmation of Jim Jordan. Meaning what? They thought Jim Jordan would be a lot tougher. Okay, they are willing to let Emmer go through on some small scale because they don't consider Emmer to be a complete upending of the apple cart in Washington. And that's the part you have to understand. Okay, politics right now, more than ever, are run by a uniparty, a uniparty, not Republicans versus Democrats, a uniparty versus everybody else. The people who have their hands on the levers of power in Washington, the people living large off lobbyists and hot stock tips and everything in between have gotten really fat and happy. Okay, and they're looking out at the 2024 election as an opportunity for them to consolidate power. Okay, believe me, they're not going to the mattresses to protect Trump, even though that's what the majority of Republicans want. And I'm not saying they owe you that as a voter, but I am saying on some small scale, they don't value what you do. Okay, Trump has endorsed pretty much everybody at one point or another for speaker. And the one thing they all have in common is none of them actually wound up getting the gig. That's true. That is true. Okay, so in this moment right now, Okay, it's the swamp doing what the swamp wants to do. Okay, there's you guys can talk about calling your congressman or getting active on Twitter, all of the traditional things. Okay, all of the traditional things you might do to put a little heat on your congressman don't apply in this situation because they just don't care anymore. You call right now and you're like, yeah, I don't like what you're doing with speaker. And they're like, shut up. That's it. That's all you got. But we wanted Jim Jordan. We thought, stop talking to me. That's it. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> hey, I want to change the appropriations process. Then you're crazy. And they hang up the phone. It's, I've never seen this before. And I'm telling you this. You have to remember this. I know we're divided when it comes to policies. I know we're divided on what we want for the future of the country between Republicans and Democrats. But I promise you, okay, the Constitution does not exist, okay? It does not exist so two parties could fight over who controls the government. The Constitution exists so the government doesn't control us. But when you have politicians out there just brazenly enacting their own will and ignoring that of the voters, okay, that's a government that believes it can control you. Hey, we have the power. Shut up. There's an election coming. Don't worry. We'll get you mad enough at the other side that you'll vote straight ticket Republican. Don't worry. We'll get you mad enough at the other side that we'll vote straight ticket Democrat. That's what they think of us now. Believe me, they think we're stupid. Believe me, they think we're stupid. Like it has never been, okay, higher time for some a la carte ordering than it is right now. I Sadly, I can't sit here and give you a Democrat you should vote for. I don't have one. But I'm going to look. I'm going to look at everybody in every race, in every district, okay, 
because I don't think we owe this party or any party for that matter our loyalty. I think we owe America our loyalty. And sadly, we haven't always shown America the most loyalty because there have been moments in our lives where we put party over country. You just want to vote for your guy. You hate the other side. Your guy might be a little flawed, but you hate their guy that much more. So away we go. That's what's happening. But that's why the government's out of control, because they've turned politics into a team sport where it becomes more important to beat the other side than it does to advance the greater good. And, you know, sadly, a lot of that is the manifestation of the Democrats and identity politics. If I was going to point a finger like I would be lying to you if I said I didn't believe that. Okay, because the election of Barack Obama, it really was the most destructive thing uh, in this generation in terms of the unity in this country. Okay, Barack Obama got elected with overwhelming majorities from white Americans, but the Democrats weaponized his race every time there was a policy disagreement and did what? They said, well, you know, what's so different about this guy that you won't go along with his proposals? Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally, but it worked. People were like, yeah, what is so different about him that all of these people who voted for him suddenly don't support every single policy. Could it be that maybe some of these policies just suck? Don't be thick, all right? But that's what they did. When Obama sent $50 billion in cash assets to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, which is Iran, okay, the pushback against that was like, well, it's because he's a black president doing that. And it's, of course, not true. That's, you know, spectacularly, you know, and just beyond all believable bounds of stupidity. Okay, when you hear something like, ah, you know, time was you could send 50 billion to the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world and nobody would care. Not true. That day never existed in this country. But a lot of what the Democrats did in the era of identity politics has really turned this upside down. And a lot of Republicans rightfully are voting and mobilizing against the weaponization, the fraudulent weaponization of race in our country because they see how destructive it has been. On the places that, to be honest with you, they're supposed to care about the most, which is the inner cities. What did they tell us in the summer of 2020? We've got to defund the police because it's all about saving lives. Now, again, defunding the police would save lives the way defunding brakes would save cars. But that's what the Democrats pushed. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the, um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. Oh, it's coming from the streets. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. (laughs) No, we're going to get rid of the cops. We're going to get rid of the cops because that's the language coming from the streets. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of the cops. Look, if you hate cops just because they're cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. But you know what? Sadly, I don't know that you can call a crackhead because the way it looks right now, they're all running things in Washington, D.C. instead. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. Jimmy Fallon. Nice kid, but a little dumb. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Conventional wisdom in Washington is that 
Emmer could have been well on his way to winning the speakership. <laughs> Not if Donald Trump can help it. So how's this? <laughs> For a, wow. Here you go. Here's a Trump Truth Social post that's uh, moments old. I mean, I'm talking not even 10 minutes old. Okay. Here is Trump weighing in on Tom Emmer. Tell me if you think they're about to wrap this thing up anytime soon. I have many wonderful friends wanting to be Speaker of the House, and some are truly great warriors. Rhino Tom Emmer, who I do not know well, is not one of them. He never respected the power of a Trump endorsement or the breadth and scope of MAGA, Make America Great Again. He fought me all the way and actually spent more time defending Ilan Omar than he did me. He is totally out of touch with Republican voters. I believe he has now learned his lesson because he is saying that he is pro-Trump all the way. But who can ever be sure? Has he only changed because that's what it takes to win? The Republican Party cannot take that chance because that's not where the America First voters are. Voting for a globalist rhino like Tom Emmer would be a tragic mistake. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. Well, now, listen, to be clear, okay, Trump trashing Emmer does not mean it's the end of his speakership because Trump did also endorse uh, guys who didn't get the speakership. This guy will say anything. No, I'm just being honest. I'm not disparaging Trump. I'm just telling you his hold over establishment politicians in D.C. is very, very minimal. Okay, they want nothing to do with him. They want a guy they can control. They love Tom Emmer. Okay, love Emmer. Emmer's a, you know, it's kind of a McCarthy. That's the joke of the whole thing is the Matt Gaetzes of the world that blew this whole thing sky high are going to wind up with someone less conservative than McCarthy. Okay, that could be the end result of this. Three weeks in chaos. Is there an upside? Yeah, they slowed down spending. Uh, Not that they're not going to pick up where they left off the minute they get back in action. Okay, but it's such an insanely stupid time in our politics. But the one thing the Republicans are taking advantage of Okay, is that our attention is really not on them. Okay, people are going to turn it on on MSNBC or CNN will be like, it's the party in disarray. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Now, the Republicans, okay, didn't open the border. They didn't, you know, blunder us to the brink of World War Three. Okay, they haven't done that. But at the same time, they're not demonstrating a higher level of competency than the Democrats. So it's a clown show in any direction you look right now. Straight up clown show, because I don't know that Emmer's going to get this thing. Now, the party's in a position right now where they're so desperate to avoid another week of uncertainty that some people may actually find Jesus a little late in the service and just vote Emmer in, even though they don't like him, which is why the country's so screwed up to begin with. That's how they get away with these continuing resolutions. Oh, we're going to default. We're going to default. I guess we'll just spend the money we were going to spend all along then. And that's why the country's so screwed up. little fun fact, they're playing Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. It was actually written about the COVID vaccine. I kid, stop it, anti-vaxxers. They're like, you tell them, Jimmy Fauci's a crook. I'm rambunctious right now because if you've been following this show for the past two and a half hours, let me start by saying I'm sorry. I'm terribly sorry. 
It's a really grim news cycle. We have officially sent in the clowns, and by no means is this next guest a clown. He is the host. (laughs) He is not. He is the host of the Big Money Show on Fox Business. Uh, But, you know, as a friend, uh, we have been known to clown around from time to time, and I owe that to the audience from here. So buckle up. Brian Brenberg is in the house. He's a clown. Bang. He just shook. Everybody loves a clown. He shook my hand with a buzzer. (laughs) I got the whoopee cushion. Where should I put it? He walked in. I was like, hey, man, good to see you. Wow! Brenberg! Come on, is that how they do it now? No, smell the flower here. Come over here, smell the flower. <laughs> Little squirt right there. He just squirted me now. It's unbelievable. All right, let's talk about it, though, because I think this might have been an ingenious ploy. Let's talk about it. We don't have a house speaker. Have we found an end around to the runaway spending in Washington? <laughs> yes! If we just stole this thing for a year? See, this is my my thing is, in any other era, mm-hmm. I would be just gleeful that Congress can't do a thing yeah. because it stops the spending. The problem is we now live in the era where Congress doesn't matter yeah. because the president just says to all his executive agencies, you go spend money do you gotta do. and we're just going to do that. So yeah, that, yeah. this is the problem. Congress has been already made irrelevant. Mm-hmm. So now the one thing we need them to do is try to push back. On the bureaucratic state, and they can't do it because they don't have a speaker. No, ma'am. Not checks, not balances. There's none of that. The checks Nothing. have been written. The balances, <laughs> they don't add up. They're checking each other into the boards right now, <laughs> from what I'm told. <laughs> that is exactly it. So Trump just 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 dive-bombed Tom Emmer with a statement on Truth Social. He's a rhino in a dirt bag. So away that went. I guess he's about 17 votes short. So I think the question on everybody's mind right now is, what did you think of the Rangers? beating the Astros. Let's go there. I can't I can't do the politics you know, right you now. You could get one of those guys to serve a speaker because anybody could serve a speaker. Yeah, and the Astros be... have nothing to do at this point. <laughs> so like Verlander. Why can't Verlander be speaker? Get Verlander he's in a, there. You know, he's a veteran. He's yeah. been around. He's been in tough situations. Listen, he's willing to do jobs nobody wants. He accepted a trade to the Mets. Right. <laughs> okay, he went. The man went to the Mets. No, a self-sacrifice. He's got it all. I mean, I, somebody ought to get Verlander on the phone right Justin now. Justin Verlander drains the swamp. Is that what you're telling me? We get <laughs> yes. Verlander in there, and he drains the swamp. You never know. Well, it was exciting. I think the Astros uh, losing last night by default. I think that makes the Rangers America's team because there's a lot of anti-Houston sentiment out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know a lot of our KTBB listeners in Tyler, or East Texas, Longview, they're fired up about that oh, Rangers yeah. win. Because they haven't had – we've never had Rangers win a World Series. Like, you think of all those Nolan Ryan strikeouts and back end of his career, no hitters. Yeah. But I don't think they've been there since 2011, and they've never won one. You you know. Because they were the Senators. It's, that's, they were the second incarnation (laughs) of the Senators. The second Senators, right? That's right, yeah. And uh, you remember them for things like Nolan Ryan, which Mm -hmm. is great, the no hitters late. You remember them for things like Jose Canseco and the ball that bounced <laughs> off his, his head. and went over the wall. And, you know, you, you think if that's kind of top of what you got for a team memory, then then I do think it's good for them to be in this. Yeah, series. they deserve this. They, they deserve this. And they're, you know, they're a fun team to watch. I like some of the guys. Like, I like Seager. He's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. he's no Steve Buchel. <laughs> Let's talk about Charlie Huff. You, you know, guys want to up. talk about? I'll go back for my my East Texas <laughs> listeners. You want to talk about Ruben Sierra? Ruben we'll talk Ruben Sierra. Sierra. I tell you what, you talk about switch hitters all time. Yep, and he Ruben and he delivered Sierra's for the Yankees. In the conversation. He was a great Yankee. Ruben Sierra was a great Yankee. Uh, but I could talk. I could talk eighties. Uh, I could talk eighties Rangers with you. Gary Ward. 
Oh, yeah. Who we wound up getting off of, of one of those teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Rangers had Mike Witt at one point. Yep. Remember Mike? The great the thing about Mike Witt is George Steinbrenner used to be obsessed with pitchers who pitched well against the Yankees. Right. And, like, he would get it in his head that he had to have them. But, like, he didn't get Mike Witt until he was in, like, a retirement home. Like, so, like he, was, he was leaving his first retirement home for a new retirement home. <laughs> he yes. was like, let's trade Winfield and the whole farm system for this Mike Witt guy. I was like, George, he's now trying to pitch with a different arm. He's not even a, he's not even a righty. What's going on here? Oh, man. They had, a, they had Kenny Rogers, didn't they? Kenny, so Kenny Rogers was terrible for us, the gambler, okay? Yeah. But then he went to that one postseason for the White Sox where he had found some kind of adhesive, and suddenly Kenny Rogers was throwing like 98 in the playoffs and mowing people down. You just realize how much adhesives change life. You know, <laughs> in, in football, it uh-huh. was the stick em. You yep. could do anything. Now, mm-hmm. In baseball, it you become a... You Thank know, you. Cy Young winner. Thank you. A little stick them, maybe some steroids. <laughs> all you need. Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them. And that's where the adhesive comes into play. <laughs> that adhesive, it helps you hold them. You know, you can fold them that much quicker. Oh, that's you know? true, that's the truth. So true. Brian Bremberg's in studio. We're having a, a grown-up talk about all things America. Uh, one of the things I got into earlier with Stuart Varney, uh, I was talking to the great Stu Varney. And we were talking about this idea. And this one is so fascinating to me. So we're essentially making a deal with Venezuela where we're going to buy a bunch of oil from Venezuela. And in return, the dictator is promising us he'll have some free and fair elections. Are we not being laughed at on some level at this point as a country? Maybe Venezuela deserves a good laugh. It's been tough. (laughs) They've been through a lot. They're like, did you hear the one about Biden and the election? (laughs) No! That's not true. Get out of here. Give me some of that oil. I, I, I just, I love the idea that the president who's jailing his own political opponents is demanding free elections from the states we're going to buy the oil from. <laughs> yeah, right. Listen, we're shutting down our oil production. We're going to buy this filthier stuff to save the environment. And in return, we need a free and fair election. Sounds like a good deal, Brent. Um, you know, it. If we didn't have so many other things going on in the world, you'd, you'd get kind of depressed over that one. Yeah. And that one's just sort of fallen beneath the surface here nobody's even paying attention to it it's really. amazing how many things can't make like the sports center top 10 right now yes okay even like the border even the speaker thing like the speaker thing as bad as it looks for the for the republican party there's a war going on no. you know and you know there's so many other things going on it's that, like page three stuff at this yeah, point a non-house speaker think about that it's fascinating stuff but it's this is the question the reason i brought it up though the reason i brought up the venezuela thing Okay, is I am of the mind, and I was trying to make this point on Varney, okay, that it's almost like our green energy agenda is destabilizing the world in a roundabout way. Do you like what I mean by that? Yeah. Is so much of our domestic energy policy has enriched bad actors that in a roundabout, I know it wasn't our intent to go, hey, let's get Putin rich and Iran rich, but lo and behold, they've got a lot more wherewithal than they did when we were a net exporter. It's actually, if. It's shocking when you just you sit down, get out a piece of paper, and write down. Okay, so how many domestic and foreign problems could we solve mm-hmm. if we pumped our own oil and quit pushing EVs? Mm-hmm. And the, the list is extraordinary. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. you, like just take number one, UAW strike. This thing would not be playing out the way it's playing out if these companies weren't having to shift to EVs and trying to figure out, okay, so who are we actually going to be able to keep around? Now, for are this? you now? Let me ask you this, just to expand on that: 
Is it because they're pushing EVs against an artificial demand? Is that why the is that why the companies can't gauge? You said specifically what triggered the thought is who we who we can afford to keep around. Yes. Are they having a hard time gauging market and profits because they're being forced to produce vehicles at a rate that's probably above that that the consumer is? They're demanding? not having any trouble gauging market. They're no. like market's not there. Oh, okay, I'll get okay. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. Good, no, I mean, yeah, they're yeah. looking at their they're looking at dealer lots and saying, okay, we got this many gas-powered cars multiply that by two that's the evs sitting on a lot wow. that nobody would buy so so there like how do you even figure out what you're going to pay people when one you're being pushed to build cars people don't want and then two you also know if we build those cars we don't need like 40 percent of these people yeah because it's the, the production process doesn't require the people to work so so that's like one example but then you go to iran and you're like that that whole situation would change and china would change if we were pumping our own oil and if we weren't forcing EVs, like it's actually ridiculous mm-hmm. how you could reset the entire table mm-hmm. and every negotiation that America is a part of. Mm-hmm. If you did those two things, that is fascinating. Brian Brenberg breaking it down in studio heretofore the Pete in Cavilia of radio <laughs> yes. guests. Oh, thank you it's, for saying that. It's, name. it's all 80s Ranger references from here. <laughs> Rangers fans, I'm with you because me and Brenberg were collecting baseball cards and playing Stratomatic <laughs> baseball when there wasn't a lot of good things happening down there. Bobby Valentine was the manager. Do you I, remember I that? I just tell you two things, okay, because you know I love baseball cards. Mm-hmm. Pete Incavalia, 87 tops with oh. the little rookie trophy, and uh, R- Rafael Palmero. Palmero! 87 tops. I think he's with the Rangers in that one. Future stars. Remember the future yes, stars? Yes, of course Rainbow I do. Future stars. I remember this card. Okay, so this predates because when they had their other run of prosperity in the 90s around the Juan Gonzalez era. Yep. That was Will Clark. Seiko later showed up. You had Pudge Rodriguez. Yep. But the 80s um, era at Rangers we're talking about, it like predated glory. <laughs> they were yes. just like a, they were playing in the other stadium. <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of a minor league baseball yes. stadium. It was always hot. That's the way we liked it. And it's one of my favorite stories of all time because the humidity they used to play in, okay, it spurred one of the greatest fights in Yankee history, which was Billy Martin breaking Ed Whitson's arm <laughs> at a strip club. I believe it was called Laces or Tootsies or something in Texas. Someone could wa- call it and correct the record. But it was the heat of playing in Texas, and they were melting down in a pennant race. And he got in a fight with their big, big pitching acquisition, and the Yankee manager broke the pitcher's arm. So I can feel... For the ineptitude of those Texas Rangers, I identify with them in every sense of the word. <laughs> America identifies with them right now. Do you know who else they had at one point? I don't believe I'm wrong about this. Didn't they have Julio Franco? Oh, yeah. They did, right? Greatest batting stance. Yeah, the bat over the I mean, head. it was like, I don't know what how you could. It's like you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, and yet he was a great hitter, and he played till he was like 55. <laughs> He's funny. He had grandkids on the Indians. He was, I was out there. Let me give you. Oh, wow. Now I cheated because I wanted to look because that's the name I was eluding me. He was a Yankee, too. It was Don Slott. Oh, but I'll give you one I remember that doesn't get the shine, but you remember him because he wore double zero for a time being. Oh. Oda B. McDowell. Oda B. Do you remember Oda B. Oda McDowell? Oda B. McDowell. How could you forget Oda B. McDowell? Because <laughs> he was your first. You don't forget your first Oda B. That's right. And he was your first Oda B. <laughs> <laughs> for some of us, our only Oda B. Sadly. <laughs> Long live Oda B. McDowell. <laughs> Larry Parrish, if you're out there somewhere. Larry Any Larry Parrish? Yes. Uh, dare I say Toby Hara? 
Like, remember Toby Hara? There were some good Scott Fletcher. I'm looking now. Off the top of my head, I could have named probably, I'm looking, 90% of this roster. You know which one I wouldn't have named that I'm looking it up right now and mm. it upsets me? I loved Gino Petrelli. Gino Petrelli, yeah. I, I loved him. He was good in Stratomatic. Yep. They had Daryl Porter there as a catcher. Okay. My goodness. Orlando Mercado. Yep. Mike Stanley. Oh, All right. So good let's, American name. Since we've gone off the grid. Okay, completely off the grid. Bre- Brenberg gave you some energy policy. I'll get one other economic question, right. and I will tell right. you my Mike Stanley story yes. to, clo- to close it because everyone has behaved well. Okay, really quick, yay or nay, do we unbundle the money going to Ukraine and Israel? You got to unbundle. You say yes, right? Yes. I mean, we should be able to do this, like take different things, pass them a piece at a time, have the debate, mm-hmm. let America know where you stand. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these things need to happen probably yesterday, and Mm -hmm. some of them require a little bit more conversation. So, yes. Okay, and the reason I ask is I was supposed to ask Nikki Haley that. Yeah, her opinion <laughs> probably matters more than mine we does. Got into everything else. I bet we're on the same page, though. Yeah, no, I she, bet that's where she, she is. She better be there. She better be there. She was all about, you know, cut the funding to Iran, change the energy policy, secure the border. Hey, okay, all Which right. I'll give her that all day. All and right. she had a stellar interview, but that was the one question I meant to ask her specifically, and I blew it. All right, fine. I've absolved myself somewhat. Okay, I didn't ask the presidential candidate, <laughs> but I did ask Brian. I'm Brenberg. not running, by the way. I'm not running. Okay, <laughs> rumors are untrue. Lay off my back, guys. I asked Brenberg. <laughs> you gotta do better than that. No, no. So as long as somebody gets asked, it could have been a caller. The Mike Stanley story, and if you know this story, forgive me. This is a great story. Okay, and this involves me getting thrown out of Yankee Stadium oh. on the jumbotrons. Proud moment for the Fela family. But if you don't know this story, if you do, sing along at home. Okay. Um, when Mike Stanley, okay, if you remember, was a Red Sox, because he was a Yankee back and yep. forth a few times. At one yep. point, he was a Red Sox. Okay. Pre-social media, okay, um, where you didn't have every relevant sporting detail blasted into your phone every 15 seconds, we went to a Yankees day game against the Red Sox mm. that, unbeknownst to us, had been moved to 7 p.m. So we innocently got there at 10.30 in the morning (laughs) to drink for a Yankee game. And as the parking lot failed to fill up, (laughs) it dawned on us that we might have. Do you remember in Pride of the Yankees when Lou Gehrig's parents show up for the game four hours early? (laughs) and There's nobody in the stands. So anyway, around 12.20, we realize there's no game being played at one. uh, And we decide the only thing you can do in this situation. You came to drink for a baseball game. By all means, you're going to drink for a baseball game. So we drank for what was now a 7 p.m. baseball. (laughs) game, which was six and a half hours off into the distance. And we were, as you would imagine, in pretty bad shape by the time we got into Yankee Stadium. So the way this goes down, and it's innocent enough, okay, is we're making our way to our seats in the top of the first inning, okay, doing it on an honest cab driver's salary, which is, you know, there's, we've all heard of row Z, okay? (laughs) You know when you're asking the guy in row Z what the score is? (laughs) You're asking the guy in the blimp what inning they're in, you know? No, we had a bad seat. So anyway, we got in the stadium particularly late in the top of the first inning. The Red Sox were up at the plate, and as we were getting to the tunnel, and you remember in the old Yankee Stadium, you went up a tunnel, and at the top of the ramp, you could see out and see the Uh, field and everything. He was so excited. It wasn't open air the way it is now. Right. So anyway, at the at the foot of the tunnel, my brother Mike wanted to go to the concession stand and get beer and food. Um, makes sense. And somebody does that. Right. They go on the recon. You go find the seats. We'll meet you at the seats. We got food and beer. What a great time to be alive. So as we go up to the seats, my brother goes to the concession stand. We're sitting down at our seats, and we did genuinely accidentally dump a little beer 
on a Yankee fan, uh, which you know you'd never do in Yankee no, Stadium. No, never. Not, especially no. not in that era. No. So we're like, hey, man, we're so sorry. We're just sitting down. We're sloppy drunk. We've been here for six hours. Love you, bro. We'll buy you a beer, whatever. Yeah. Okay. To which the kid next to me goes, you can't dump beer on the Yankee fan and not the Red Sox fan. So he dumps a beer on the Red Sox fan. Oh. At which point the Red Sox fan shoves me and he's like, you throw another beer at me, I'm going to take it to your face. And you know when there's an argument in Yankee Stadium, the whole stadium stands up. <laughs> yeah. So the whole stadium is standing pointing towards the upper deck. Every security guard in the building comes over because <laughs> the first inning of a Yankee Red Sox game, they don't want any trouble. Okay. No. You throw a beer, I'm going to take it to your face, bro. And everybody gets shoved and the security guard yell at us we sit out the very next pitch mike stanley <laughs> hits a grand slam the kid stands up looks at me and gives me a double-barreled middle finger and goes yeah what are you gonna do and i tossed an entire 24 ounce beer in his face at which point a wild brawl ensues as my brother mike is coming up the ramp he sees me on the jumbotron in handcuffs proud moment for the fail family that ended with me in something I didn't know existed called Yankee Jail, oh, where I yeah. was under the stadium, and my friend Chris Cruz, who was a Yankees clubhouse attendant, was walking with Nomar Garcia Parra, and I was getting yelled at in Yankee Jail by Nomar Garcia Parra. But my brother Mike ultimately did bail me out. That's the Mike Stanley story. No. Not Mike Stanley, Mike Fela. That's who you need with the game on was the line. Mickey Mantle's name scrawled in the jail down there? <laughs> he probably spent some time. No, Mickey Mantle was crying in heaven over the wasted beer. <laughs> he was like, how dare you? Back after this. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. We are in the bottom of the ninth here on Fox Across America. Jimmy Fallon and Brian Brenberg playing extra innings in honor of those early 80s Texas Rangers. You guys have been through a lot. We want you to win the World Series. If you can't do it for us, do it for some of these names. Dale the Horse Mahorsic. Does the horse not deserve a title, Brenberg? <laughs> Go to the horse. Ask the horse. He'll give you the answer. Are you going to tell endorse. me there's a world where Kevin Brown, Ricky Wright, <laughs> Mitch Williams, the wild Mitch thing? Williams, that's bring it. Bring back a title to East yes. Texas. The show is over. Pay up and get out. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.